Spalon Montage is the Twin Cities premier salon and spa destination and proud official hair sponsor of the Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders. With three convenient locations in Edina, Woodbury, and Chanhassen, there is a Spalon close to you. Visit online at Spalon.com. What is going on? Welcome to another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. My name is Gabe Henderson. I'm inside the TCO radio studio in Egan with Vikings.com's Tatum Everett and Jay Nelson. On the line, helping us break down Vikings news on this podcast is our friend Cy Amundsen. If you don't know who Cy Amundsen is, first and foremost, that's your fault. <laughs> Secondly, you are missing out on one of the best podcasts in the nation right now called The Tailgate. Jay Nelson produces that show. And Cy, um, we, we hear you every week, whether that's here on Vikings.com or on KFAN, but uh, the three of us haven't had you on the Minnesota Vikings podcast in a while. So first and foremost, how are you, my friend? I think it's a strong move to bring me on about every six or seven months. I think that if you let me have <laughs> access to a show with real opinions any more often than that, I, I, no one's going to love that. So I think we have a really nice clip. Let's hear from him in August, and let's hear from him in near February. That seems like good splits for me. I'm, I'm good. I'm Football is winding down officially. I'm dealing with the emotions of all Viking fans, which is watching other teams succeed while you wonder what's next for your team again in the offseason. So I'm Dealing with that, but other than that, I'm I'm doing good. Your good friend Zach on the tailgate, he often talks about his lions. Hmm. Have you talked to him since Sunday? So I haven't. Is he in mourning? So, <laughs> <laughs> I I haven't, and I'm going to. I it's a great question, Tatum, because I've been very very careful. To, like, so I have nearly best friends on both sides of the NFC Championship game. Hmm. One of my longest-running comedy friends, uh, Dave Huntsberger, he did one of the original pilots for the show to help build the tailgate. And then Dan Soder, who was on this year, and then Zach Martinez. So it's kind of like picking – I think I understood the plight of Mama Kelsey <laughs> in the Super Bowl. Like, I think I understood which one of my babies should I be rooting for. But I, if I'm being honest, it was – I hear all these Viking fans. I heard Must on the radio. Like, I'd never root for the Lions. I was rooting for the Lions – Harder than I've rooted for a team in the playoffs in a really long time. I I identify with suffering fan bases. So the Bills, the Browns, the Vikings, the Lions, these long to watch them win a title would have been such a wonderful thing. And I I saw how hope built as the season went on in Zach's mind. And I think specifically the way that game went, I just I know how I would feel if that happened to me. So I don't even know what to say to him. See, for me, Si, it's the whole thing of I almost don't want you to talk to him until next season so we can get the actual gut reaction out of him. Otherwise, we need to record that thing now in order to get all of the details out of him as soon as he can get it. We've got it. We do have to make a choice. We do have to we have to pick <laughs> one side of the one side of the sadness river and build our house on it. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. I that just that game was so outrageous. And to you know, Kyle Shanahan's obviously an unbelievable football coach. And I think most people who've been around this sport looked at the first half and went, 
the Lions staff, the players, obviously, but the Lions staff prepared a game plan and is going to work here. Like anyone who watched that first half thought Dan Campbell and his group, you know, give them all the awards for how they prepared to play what everybody thought was the best team in football. And then to see it fall apart the way it did and the role that Campbell played in it would be that has to be excruciating. Plus, it's so we can identify this, identify with this as Viking fans. It was so lionsy, <laughs> like that. Think of this: the butterfly effect of that doink off the helmet is yeah. outrageous. Because mm-hmm. I, I think anybody watching that game, any Viking fan, there might be people in like Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Anybody who's been in a city who's won a title at some point, I think they saw. Oh, they made some mistakes, and then Dan Campbell did some dumb stuff. But <laughs> if you're a Viking fan and you watch that. You identified with that moment where that should have been an interception. It joined off his helmet, and you saw the whole sideline. When he fumbled on that next drive, you went, oh, shit. Like, you felt it. Those dropped passes right after, that was the most Lions-y, Vikings-y, Browns-y <laughs> thing I've ever seen. So I, it was almost uh, triggering <laughs> to watch it. So yeah. I, I don't know. I've I, I hear you, Jay, but I think I think we give Zach like a year to cool off. <laughs> yeah, that that play reminded me of the uh, Week Three game that we had against the Los Angeles Chargers when uh, I believe it was a Caleb Evans was one on one, and I I believe it was it uh, Mike Williams, and basically the ball hit a Caleb Evans who was diving for uh, interception, hit him in the face mask, yeah. bounced off his face mask. Yep. Uh, Mike Williams catches it. They score. We lose to the Los Angeles Chargers. So. To, to say the word triggering, I, I believe that was a, a very triggering for Vikings fans here. Do you guys think that the sentence, because for Minnesota Vikings, you think you hear somebody say the Gary Anderson kick. Mm. You hear somebody say far across the body. There's like a short sentence that can make you not want to hang out anymore. Do you think it'll be the Brandon Ayuk catch? Do you think it'll be the Dan Campbell four sounds? Like what is the... What is the main thing that you guys take away from it? That, like, if you're in that fan base, you're like, if you say those words to me, you are no longer invited to my home. I would probably go Brandon Ayuk because that so. that's so. I mean, Dan Campbell, he led, he he leads all of the NFL in fourth down conversions since he's been the head coach for the Detroit yeah, hold Lions. On. Can I ask you about that? Yeah. Can I ask you guys about that? I kept hearing <laughs> that, and I heard uh, Greg Olson be like, "Well, this is who Dan Campbell's been all year." He wasn't. That's bullshit. <laughs> At the end of the first half, he had a fourth down and a chance to go. And I'm not saying he should have gone for the touchdown there, but like, I don't know. I get that who he's been all year, but it, it also comes down to I Tatum. I think you and I talked about this randomly on the phone, like early in the year, but the idea of analytics and analytical decisions and how I'm not an anti-analytics person. I don't want to sound like I'm football Statler and Waldorf shouting from a balcony, but there's always the reality of like, when you're talking about football, you have to bring in the context of what's happening and who you're playing and when you're playing them. Like, Yes, if you go for it on fourth and three from the 40-yard line, you get it 55% of the time. But that is an average of lower and higher. And I would guess you get a higher amount of them against a defense like, say, oh, I don't know, uh, one of the bad ones. I don't want to call anyone out. Let's Mm -hmm. not do that. 
but it, it's like you're going to have a much lower number against a good defense and a good coaching staff. So I don't know that I buy this. Like, that's who he was all year. Well, guess what? It's not all year, man. This is not Detroit in week eight. You had either one of you take points in either one of those situations, and it's a completely different game. So I, I don't know. I I hated all that. I, I don't I don't think Dan Campbell. I don't blame that guy for that loss because I I think he's really interesting and inspiring to watch. But I just didn't like the swirling, like this gamification where people are sitting in front of their laptops, like it's fifty eight percent of the time, thirty five percent of the time. Like, well, yeah, but what if? What if uh, Kyle Shanahan is coaching the other team and they have the greatest ball control offense in the league? I don't know. Should we talk about anything else so I don't just fall apart on this show? No, 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 no. I, I'm no, I'm with you. It's for me. If I'm if I'm looking at that, I, there were so many contributing factors to the comeback win for the 49ers. I think it would just be like the meltdown of the second half in general. I don't really know if there was like one moment for me that stuck out as like, you're going to mention this year's to come. I'm going to be like, oh, remember that year the Lions were like untouchable and then they got to, I I mean, I'll be really honest. Um, I got a couple of chores done during the second half. Hmm. Um, So I stepped away for a a hot second because I was like, okay, Lions are looking good. And then um, I looked down and and they were losing. And I was like, (laughs) oh, no. So then I had to rewatch everything. But, you know, I I, I, uh, that that for me, I kind of walked away with confidence a little bit. And I was like, I'll just get some stuff done around the house. I don't think you were the only one, too, because I actually heard, I heard other people that did the exact yeah, same thing. Yeah. I turned on a movie. I was like, yeah, this is done. And 24 to 24, I'm like, hey, let's, let's stop this movie and, and see what's actually happening exactly. in, in Santa Clara right now. So I, for, for me, the whole the whole argument there, Cy, with it, I, you know, I, I can hear different arguments. I think the, the interesting one is during the first opportunity where you went for it, you know, if he hits that field goal, they're up three scores, I believe. And so, like, the idea there of just, you know, throttle down and keep the pressure on them, maybe they play something different. But, like, you brought up the fact when that one went off the helmet and all of a sudden now they're, you know, within scoring distance and then the fumble happens immediately after that on the, you know, basically the couple plays later. Yeah. The combination of those two together was, I think, the factor where all of a sudden, like, I was texting with people and saying, you know, this is where Lions fans now start to panic. When all of a sudden you get within seven yeah. points and then it's the combo platter of, wait, something just went off a helmet and then they turned it into a touchdown and now they fumble again. That was the moment where I think panic really started to set in on that Lions sideline. It for sure did. And you could see it. And you rarely see that in sports. You re- Like guys get nervous, guys make mistakes, but you rarely see it at the level that you saw it because that next drive, those two drops. Mm. Those are, you never see drops like that in the NFL. I mean, you you might see one of those a game. You don't see two of them on an important drive back. That was, oh my gosh, things are getting tight. And I think my philosophy with that analytical approach has to be read the room. Mm. Like when you, when the IU catch happened and then you fumbled and then you had those drops, like, if it's any other game, maybe you go for it. But I think the team needed the slide to stop. And so not kicking those field goals, I think, was akin to, like, let's say a plane goes down in the Andes and you're there to rescue them and they've been starving for, like, weeks. And you're on the rescue crew and you're walking around talking about how good your dinner was. Last <laughs> night. It's like, do you not understand what's happening on this mountain? 
kick the field goal, man. I think I've seen that movie before, Cy. Si. So yeah. is, is it unbroken? <laughs> I think, uh, to me, it's. I think clearly what's happening here is I'm projecting my 1998 feeling <laughs> and my 2009 <laughs> feeling onto this moment. Uh, that's why you're hearing what you're hearing. We had the opportunity, and maybe they'll get it again. I, I mean, I personally love that Dan Campbell told him that might have been our chance. I, that was this wonderful human. I don't know if you guys saw that. Mm-hmm. He yeah. basically, in his post-game speech, goes, this might have been it, guys. Like That honest, transparent coaching, I think people really respond to that. I think that's why I like the guy. But the other thing is it robbed us of potentially the coolest 30 for 30. <laughs> like If Jared Goff goes and wins a Super Bowl, that's the greatest win-win trade in the history of professional sports by miles and miles and miles and miles. Like we talk about how great it is that the Buffalo got digs and he's good. And we got Jefferson and he's the, what an amazing trade. Imagine if you trade Stafford who you love, he goes and wins the Super Bowl. You get golf and you use all those picks and you go and win a Super Bowl. That's one of the coolest stories in sports. So I wanted to see that too. Yeah. There were a lot of storylines just, just heading into that game of, you know, trying to figure out what team is going to win, what team is going to, you know, figure out the next step in their franchise. And uh, like you said, the first half, everyone thought that the, the Lions were going to go, we're going to win running away with the game. And uh, like George Kittle said, they had us in the first half, but we figured it out. So uh, just just looking at just the playoffs in its totality, uh, we know that this was a year that the Vikings did not make it on the edge, you know, leading up until week 18, you know, that 3% chance. I mean, we were all optimistic here at least very nice of you to say we yeah 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 you know this is the minnesota vikings podcast uh, here's how i experienced (laughs) the season i uh i was four weeks in and i thought we were going to get the number one pick and then i was seven weeks in and i thought we were going to win the super bowl and then i was 11 weeks in and i didn't know what to think and then i was 13 weeks in and i was like maybe we'll still win the super bowl and (laughs) then at 17, I was like, I don't think I can watch week 18. I think the emotional roller coaster, I invested. That's there's fair. no man in America who has ever invested more emotionally in a team that went through four quarterbacks in a season. No one. I, I was so in and up and down on this season. But even I was like, that was a pretty small percentage in week eight. But, you know, going going into that week, it, I think that was kind of the telltale of the season, right? Like it, there were so many unknowns. Like you you had no idea sure. what, what the certain week was going to uh, present itself. And just going into the, the playoffs, we were like, okay, well, the Vikings didn't make it. But the 2023 playoffs, in my opinion, were very entertaining. From your point of view, how would you describe it? Uh, garbage first week, amazing second week, great championship games. It's kind of how it's been. I think the expansion to the extra team is amazing, mm-hmm. but for some reason we've just been riddled with blowouts in that opening weekend a lot. I, I think, you know, if we could tie it back to the Vikings, it's just hard, I think, for Viking fans because I think you have this big what if because the league hasn't. Now, ultimately, did Patrick Mahomes wind back and wind up back in the Super Bowl? Yeah, but they're they're winning differently. Like I I saw this statistic, and and I'm not a I'm not a sports gambler, but I thought it was relevant to the conversation. It was like in the last 15 games or 17 games, the under for total points in the second half for the Kansas City Chiefs is like 15 and two or 17 and two or something like that. 
So, you know, the Chiefs are playing this different style of football. They're winning, they're successful, but even in that Ravens game, you, you know, until Lamar threw that awful interception at the end, you're still like, well, they could get a field goal or a touchdown here. It's one possession and then it's a stop and a score. And so the league felt wide open this year at times. And I think losing Kirk in a moment where Jordan Addison was ascending because NFL Jay hears me say this constantly to the point where like he might stop producing the show uh, when I say this sentence, but I think the NFL is a math equation, obviously. And I don't mean that in like a, you know, a deeply analytical way, but I mean, what you pay your players versus the output they put on the field generally leads to who you are on a high level. It's it's why so many of these teams with great quarterbacks win their Super Bowls when the quarterbacks are young. Russell Wilson, young. Uh, ben Roethlisberger wins one on his rookie contract, a second one on a favorable deal. Aaron Rodgers, like I think Aaron Rodgers was on an extension but still on the favorable side of an extension. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow goes to a Super Bowl. Josh Allen, they're really, they go on a deep run uh, before it. So, I, you know, but that's kind of, you can spread it across the, the roster. I think one of the reasons the Cowboys survived the Zeke contract and the, the Dak contract all at the same time is you have Micah Parsons on a rookie deal playing like defensive player of the year style football and CD Lamb on the other side. And then you have, Diggs's brother playing. So when we had Jordan Addison in that, I think everybody in that 49ers game looked around and Gabe, you and I talked about this on the field before the game. We looked around and we're like, Oh shit. Is this guy, is this guy going to be a top 20 receiver in the league? Is he going to be better than that? What do we have here? So when all of a sudden you've got that production at that level, that offense feels really, really different. And I think losing Kirk, you know, the way we did before Justin came back, I think it left everybody with such a sour taste because the league, the league, even though it did wind up Chiefs and Niners, which is a little predictable, both those teams seem more human and beatable. And I think that's what felt fun and also frustrating when you didn't have your full squad out there able to compete. Well, I was about to say when you were talking about the Chiefs and and, and stuff like I think there might be a podcast a couple of weeks ago where I was literally like, they are going to turn it on late in December. Like, why are we worried about them throughout the season? They just know when to play and they've been there yeah. before. Um, you have to have that. I feel like you kind of have to have that buy in in that time when you're struggling to know that you can turn it around and you can become a playoff team. And it's like if they've been there before and they understand what it takes, there's less worry in that. Whereas you've got teams that maybe go through those struggles throughout the regular season and they let that affect the rest of their year as opposed to knowing, okay, this is just something we just need to finish. And then we're going to get to the postseason and that's when we really know what we need to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think well, here's a follow-up question to that, Tatum. Do you think we're so used to the Tom Brady thing and then that rolled right into the Patrick Mahomes thing? Do you think the next couple years are going to feature, you know, I'm going to use the word mortal, you know, like, or flawed or beatable, right? Are we Are we entering an era of football that's a little 
the upper echelon teams are a little more mortal and beatable. Cause I think people looked at the Ravens, not me, cause I've watched them forever. And the two things you can count on with the Ravens is it's hard to make some tough throws sometimes. And every once in a while, John Harbaugh does some stuff and you're like, well, that wasn't, that didn't seem like the right decision, but they looked immortal throughout the season. I mean, they beat every contender by 30, 40 points, like without exaggeration, that's the real number. Then you get to the playoffs and they get beat. Do you think maybe we're entering an era where the elite teams are more mortal than they have been in the past, which, you know, leads to a team like the Vikings, maybe if they turn it around quick, maybe if they get on the right side of a couple of rookie contracts that all of a sudden, because I guess I'll cushion it with this. I wasn't convinced that the, like, after the Packers beat the Cowboys in my brain, I was like, oh no, they're going to, they're, you can't convince me they can't win the Super Bowl. That's, I felt like there were six, eight teams that like, yes, the Chiefs, yes, the Niners, but all these guys could come and make a run at it. Well, I think that's the NFL in general. I mean, they always try and create that parity. And you can have some dynasties, obviously. There's there's going to be an exception to the rule. But because of the term, I mean, look at the Eagles, what happened this season. I mean, you thought they were going to be a no-brainer for the Super Bowl at 10-1, and one, and then they just have an epic collapse. I just think that there's just too much in this league that, it's part of the, I think you said like the math of it all. The, the it's kind of like a, a a magic where you're just like they they know how to make it to where you're never a hundred percent sure, and anyone can actually win on any given day. You can come back from being thirty three points down. You can come back from being seventeen points in the second half of an NFC Championship and go to the Super Bowl. Like, I, I just think that that's kind of just the beauty of the league in general. It's not like college football in that sense. Well, I'm, I'm, my hope is that like so this is and this is why Gabe you were asking earlier like we were talking about like the flow of the season right Mm -hmm. and week 18 and I was kind of talking about how I went up and down that was the reason that I got so like I'm one of the people who got sucked into the Dobbs mania like I didn't quite buy an astronaut costume but I didn't (laughs) how close were you not eBay it like I wasn't not on Amazon looking for NASA helmets So like, but I didn't make the purchase, but I, what I saw in that moment of those two games, especially with the defense where they're playing the way they were is like last year, the Eagles and the Niners seemed impervious to anyone else, like any, any attack, any competition from anyone except each other. You just, we saw the Niners in our building. We'd seen all the good teams and my brain went like, oh, if this guy can run like this and the defense can play like this, I don't know who knows. So that's what I'm hoping continues next year is, you know, in the NFC, you feel like, well, a couple things break our way and we come together in, in the right way. Who knows? Maybe we're, we're standing where the Packers were last year. I think on my inside, just looking at it, you go through and you look and realize that, you know, basically for the last 20 years in the AFC, it's been either a Patriot or a uh, Chiefs team that's been sitting in the Super Bowl. I think it's uh, eight of the last 10 seasons. It's either been New England or, or, or the Chiefs as the AFC representative. It is insane to think that, you know, I, I heard um, Lieber talking about it at one point too, saying, you know, he thought at the end of the Tom Brady era that that would be the end of kind of this crazy dynasty running for over a decade. And now you got a guy in Patrick Mahomes who's 28 years old and has never not got to the AFC championship. 
That the idea of the AFC yeah. currently at this point is completely loaded with other quarterbacks too. Are there any other teams that you think could kind of you know dethrone the Chiefs at this point, or as long as 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 Patrick's there, that they're just going to kind of keep rolling with this thing? No, I I think what you saw this year is the thing. I think I think that's what the future is going to look like in the AFC. Is like to Tatum's point, you can never count the Chiefs out until they're dead, mm. right? <laughs> I, I don't care if they're ten and six. I don't, it's the, it's the Shaq and Kobe Lakers, right? Like they can get into the playoffs, they can get on a roll, but every step of the way, that was a competitive game in the bills. The bills could have beat them. That was a competitive, the Ravens. Can you imagine a more mistake riddled performance with all those personal fouls? Like the Ravens could have beaten them. So I think you've got to make them the odds on favorite, but I think you're going to every year in the AFC, you're going to have four or five teams that are going to be right there and could beat them. I think the salary cap and their lack of weapons on offense to be able to pay for a good defense while also, you know, paying their quarterback is going to keep them relatively mortal. I think the most interesting story is the Aaron Rodgers thing. I, you know, this whole he's washed up thing is the silliest thing in the world. His thumb was hurt his last year in Green Bay. Like that's going to be really, really interesting next year. I don't, I don't know what. It's kind of like Cleveland was weirdly all in this year, where they threw, you know, the the, the Deshaun thing, and they went and they got Zadarius, they went and got Delvin, they got Jim Schwartz, they got all this kind of money kind of built up and flooded in and expensive O-line, but they're really interesting. I don't know. I think any of these teams, the Bengals will be back. I think we're just entering into this era where you can't count on the Chiefs, like not being there. That's not a great sentence, but you you shouldn't count them out. But I think there's always going to be four or five teams that could knock them off. I think the path will just be harder. Like next year, I mean, this year you beat Josh Allen and you beat uh, Lamar, and that's what you're going to have to continuously do. And if you do that year in and year out, you know, just start carving the statues and handing out the gold jacket. Yeah, he's probably in the conversation for a gold jacket as we speak, even though uh, he's still gearing up for his what, fourth yeah, Super Bowl in yeah, six years. Unless, unless Kelsey retires. Hey, <laughs> true. But or here, here's the one, Tatum. Unless Andy Reid retires. True. There you go. True. That's the rumor that I, that's the rumor that Florio is just, he's not saying it, but he's like, what if? And you know, when Florio says, what if there's somebody who he knows who told him, what if, uh, I think it's fascinating. This whole swirl, like, dude, Mike Vrabel doesn't have a job. Who's going to get Mike Vrabel as D coordinator. Mm. It's going to be nuts. Who's going to get Bill Belichick? Uh, You know, is he going to sit out a year? I don't know. There's a lot of really fun storylines that are going to probably exist in the next season. Well, speaking of uh, fun storylines, Jordan Addison and Ivan Pace Jr. were both named to the Pro Football Writers of America all-rookie team for 2023. And uh, we're talking about, you know, young talent that you can build – your, your team around and looking at just those two guys side when when you see Jordan Addison the year that he had and then Ivan Pace an undrafted free agent how, how do you I guess attest how their future of their career can go with this Minnesota Vikings team I don't know man I think like I said I was at that Niner game you and I were down on the field before it started mm-hmm. you know during warm-ups and we were talking about Jordan Addison and then he comes out and kind of makes that brought that conversation to life that we were having and I think not only do I have such high like I'm the guy who's going around telling people that I think this is going to be a top 15 receiver in the league 
I really think that. Uh, I have a close friend who followed him, uh, you know, who's a Pitt fan, who the moment we draft him, he's like, you have no idea. He's the best receiver in the draft. Just prepare. You have no idea. But the one less about his career and where he's going, I think, to me, it's more about what he represents. Uh, and I think it's a fit in what the team is trying to do. And I think as much as it sucks to not have Jefferson, to see him in that short window where there was no Jefferson, but Kirk was still there, to see him perform the way he did and develop the relationship with Kirk the way he did and to get utilized by uh, the coach the way he did, that to me is the thing that I look at and I go, well, that's really exciting. Because Jefferson had that amazing year two years ago, uh, but until you until you start seeing weapons coming from all over the field, that that's what it feels like we've been missing. You know, you got Hawkinson in the Thielen thing didn't quite work in O'Connell's first year and Thielen's last year. So next year, now we've got to wait for Hawkinson to come back from injury. But at some point, you're going to have a pretty scary three-headed monster. And I'm I'm down here in Cincinnati, and I got to tell you. The way they're built, and they'll probably lose T. Higgins in the offseason, to watch Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd as a three, who'd be a two on a lot of teams, that dynamic is it's pretty wild. So I, that's what I'm, as much as I'm excited to see him evolve as a player, like we didn't get any, here's our quarterback, and our two receivers are full in going and in vibe with the quarterback. That's going to be a lot of fun next year. So if you are... The Vikings GM, what is your number one top priority this offseason? Uh, seven, 70 defensive linemen. 70, okay. Maybe 80 yeah. of them. Yeah, that'll be good. I like that. I want, <laughs> I'm, here's the thing. I am, I, I've told this to Jay before too. I think it's, I'm the sort of fan that when a new leader comes in, coach, general manager, <clears throat> I think a lot of people think they know better like why'd you hire him why wouldn't we should have done this and i am nowhere near smart enough to be in charge of anything in the nfl so my methodology is always you prove to me like i i you have my support until you prove to me that you shouldn't get it and uh i think this is going to be a really fun year for quasi and kevin because you know, when you take over a college job, your first couple of years, you have the other team's recruits, you know, and eventually it becomes your team. I think now this is officially becoming their team. I mean, we watch the game. It's clear Coach O'Connell has a style of football he likes and a, an approach he likes, and they're building the players. You know, it's clear Quasi has a style and an approach. But year three is going to be the big one because, you know, we've got a really good draft pick. You could hit on a couple of people and it could really change the trajectory of the team. So I I think it's going to be a really, it's going to be really fun to see those guys finally, not that it hasn't been their team, but three years is a good, that's when you really start making it your team. And uh, all I would say is, Jay, what's the stat? There's some, like in the last eight years, we've taken... I might be butchering this, but I think one defensive lineman in the first or second round. Is that right? I believe so. Harry Floyd, I think. It's something close to that. And uh, I, I think if you look around at all the the teams that seem to wind up near the top of the league, uh, you know, you find a lot of teams who are really good in the trenches. And it's a fun time in Minnesota. You know, Gabe and Tatum, 
this is like you guys are you guys are fully entrenched, but you're also you know you've been here a few years now. But there was a time, and I know you know this because we all tell you about it all the time, <laughs> where if anybody said Vikings, the next word out of their mouth was offensive line. And so to have gone through this drought from back in '98 when we had this elite offensive line with Randall McDaniel, Stucy, Christie, the whole you know Corey Stringer, the whole group. To have that group, and then we had this long drought with, you know, the Hutchinson years in there where it was, and the McKinney where we were pretty good, back into another long drought. To finally have that side of the trenches feel like it's really trending the right direction. Like, the Chiefs D-line is great. The Bengals is great. The Eagles is great. Obviously, the Niners put everything. I mean, trade deadline comes around, you got how'd, how'd they get him? You know, they just keep adding people. So uh, that's the longest answer in the history of the world, Tatum, to say, I would love free agents on the D-line. I would love, I don't care if we trade up, trade down, stay where we're at. I would love a stud edge or a stud D-tackle. Like, you, you give Brian Flores some pieces that can get to the quarterback. Look what he did this year without that. I, I that that would be the number one thing I would do. Sorry for the uh, for the fans of Game of Thrones. We essentially have a red wedding for the Super Bowl this year with the Chiefs and the Niners. Who are you going to pick? I mean, God, everybody's going to hate me so much. I don't know what any of that means. I did not watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, it's I don't just even Red Taylor guess version. What red... Okay, yeah, there we go. I like that better. <laughs> Sorry. I if I would have guessed what it meant, I would have been probably kicked off the show forever. Uh, I I think here's the thing. When it's two teams that I, I don't care about, I'm sick of Patrick Mahomes. He's amazing. I don't want to watch it anymore. I wanted to, I wanted Bill's Lions. Uh, so what I have to do in this moment is I either have to decide to root for one of my really close friends who's a Niners fan, or have another friend who is a diehard Kyle Shanahan supporter, and he's really annoying about it. And so I either that or I have to root against him. So I'll put it to you guys. Should I be supportive or petty? Uh... I think you have to respect greatness. Yes, yep. Okay, there you go. It's petty. There you go. <laughs> it's no, petty. Let's, be, let's be petty. Go, Chief. Go, Chief. Let's be petty. <laughs> well, look, you, you have to respect greatness, and uh, whether you like him or not, Pat Mahomes is greatness, and we're witnessing it. And uh, for me, I'm just, oh, I like I, him. I'm just like I, I just appreciate his greatness, right? Like we don't really get to to see this firsthand uh, in real time as often I as agree. we do. I agree, man, but it's like, here's the thing. It's like, have you ever been to Fogo de Chao? Yeah. Fogo de Chao is amazing, right? Brazilian steakhouse, expensive, nice. They cut your meat in front of you over and over and over again until you explode. It's amazing. But, like, if you went to Fogo de Chao on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, and then your partner was like, hey, for Friday, you want to go to Fogo de Chao? You'd be like, I think I just want pasta. (laughs) And that's coming off of, we just went to Tom Brady's Fogo to Chow for 20 years. So I, I love Patrick Mahomes. I agree with you. I felt that way about Tiger Woods, right? I feel that way about LeBron James. But I think there's always going to be something great going on. Like, I, I think we talk about it like you, you really experience this greatness. You're like, okay, well, in three years, somebody will be doing it in baseball. You know, I don't know. Oh, So 
he's great. I just don't care. I don't want to watch it anymore. <laughs> Enjoy the meat sweats of the Super Bowl, Si. <laughs> thank you. I'll be sitting there wishing my team was in it. Hey, thank you guys for, uh, by the way, thank you for the support on the show this year uh, and helping promote the tailgate. We really love doing it. And thank you for letting me come on every once in a while and be a maniac. Man, appreciate you putting out good content and helping us with our show. Um, it's a team thing, so appreciate you. Oh. Weird. I'm I'm like one of those. I'm the worst teammate. I'm like one of those uh, one of those selfish stat stuffers. But I appreciate you thinking I'm a team player. So, anyways, watch the tailgate, everybody. Love you. Bye. Always a pleasure talking to our friend Cy Amundsen. It is never a dull moment when he has the mic in his hands and. Uh, clearly added some value to our show today. But as we wrap, um, we were talking about the San Francisco 49ers. And now that Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback for the 49ers, is in the Super Bowl, he now, well, I guess Kyle Juszczyk, he was the the pro bowler, the pro bowl fullback for the NFC, and C.J. Ham was the first replacement. So now that Kyle Juszczyk is going to the Super Bowl, he still is going to be a pro bowler, but he won't participate in the pro bowl games, which ultimately gives C.J. Ham that spot. So C.J. Ham is now officially named to the Pro Bowl as a replacement. It is just the second time in his career that he's been a Pro Bowler. And uh, I believe uh, I believe Lindsey Young earlier in the week was talking about uh, CJ had already, I guess him and his family had already booked their flight to Orlando last week because they just figured that the 49ers are going to make the Super Bowl. So uh, kudos to him and uh, good planning for, for him and his wife on that part. You could say either way, they are planning a family vacation down to Orlando yeah. one way or the other. So Just smart. in case. Exactly. <laughs> smart on their end. And, you know, maybe they had a little bit of a inkling, like you said, that that was going to be the case. I think it's awesome to see a guy like C.J. Ham once again get rewarded for all of his efforts. He's a leader. He's a captain. Yep. I think everyone in that locker room loves to have him, you know, get recognized like this. And so for C.J. to be able to step up not only for being a fullback but special teams and everything else, I think it's great to have him get recognized and have a, a nice little um, kind of a reward there for the team as well for all their efforts this season. Yeah, three guys instead of two, huh? Right. Let's go. Maybe maybe we get more. More the merrier. Maybe we get more. But Daniil Hunter, Andrew DePaula, C.J. Ham, all pro bowlers for the Vikings this year. And a guy that – I personally thought should have been a pro bowler. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, he did undergo successful surgery on his ACL earlier this week. He had surgery in Los Angeles, and the team will continue to provide updates as appropriate during TJ's recovery. So that is today's show. That is a fun show. It is Pro Bowl week, so we got a lot of people down there in Orlando uh, getting some sun. Like the, th the thing is with the sun is like if it's going to be 40 in Minneapolis or 40 in the Twin Cities, I will stay here and not go to Orlando. But I'm excited for Lindsay and all of our staff to be able to participate in the Pro Bowl this year. Do you see it was actually warmer in Minneapolis yesterday than it was in, in Florida? Really? They were in the 40s losing their minds <laughs> thinking, you know, everything had frozen over. And we were rejoicing. And I'm sure I saw a bunch of people running around in shorts yesterday and, and when it was 50. So, yeah, it was actually warmer in Minneapolis hey, than it was in Florida. when I was in Orlando yesterday. the other day, I was chilly. I was <laughs> really? a little bit chilly, What yes. was the temperature? Uh, I think it was, like, so like that's 50s, a loaded which I know is, like, doesn't sound that cold. But when mm -hmm. it's Florida and it's so damp and, mm -hmm. like, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. the sun's not really out, it mm -hmm. does feel a bit more chillier than normal. Listen, my family that lived down there, when we go visit, if it was below 70 degrees, they were in winter coats. <laughs> and we were running around in <laughs> T-shirt and shorts going, you guys are crazy, so... I, it'll be it'll be fun. Pro Bowl is always interesting. They've tried to reinvent it over the last couple of years, and I think this year will be no different. So it'll be fun to see kind of what they roll out red carpet wise for the Pro Bowl and just kind of 
let our offense, defense, and special teams be represented this season? Well, the Pro Bowl games takes place this upcoming Sunday, February 4th, from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time. So that's 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. Central time. You can watch that game on ESPN, ABC, or Disney. That is going, it is going to be an interesting, I guess, reimagined Pro Bowl games, but I'm excited to see what that looks like this upcoming year. But as we close the show, I want to give a huge thank you again to Cy Amundsen for being our guest. And with that said, for Tatum Everett, Jay Nelson, my name is Gabe Henderson. Thank you guys again for tuning into another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. 87% of our food comes from rural America. Farmers are incredible. Agriculture is incredible. And rural is incredible. Lando Lakes is a farmer-owned cooperative and proud official sponsor of the Minnesota Vikings. Say hello to flawlessly smooth skin at Pure Lux Med Spa, the preferred med spa of the Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders. Specializing in elite laser hair removal, body contouring, Botox, cosmetic filter, and age-defying skin care treatments such as Diamond Glow and Skin Pen for collagen induction therapy. For more information, visit MyPureLux.com backslash Vikings for exclusive offers to Vikings fans. That's www.mypurelux.com backslash Vikings.